Awesome. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, this evening, I would like to read 1 John 4, 9 together. 1 John 4, 9. Uh, so if you look at the screen, I know you can't see it. We're going to read it together. And let's just read that together, out loud together. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I want to do it again. And this time, instead of say that we might, say I might. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that I might live through him. As I was mentioning this morning, Christ came in the world to give you life. To give you life. And this means that unless Christ has given you life, you do not have it. That's plain from this. Sure, you may, you're going to breathe in and out. Anybody breathing in and out right now? That's not going to last forever. That's going to wear out. It's going to stop. Christ came to give us everlasting life, a life that transcends this life, this age, life that will go on throughout all eternity. This is what Christmas is about. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal and destroy. That's the devil. The, def- the, the thief has come to only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's the devil's mission. The devil's goal is to rob you of that life. And he does it through a myriad of ways. Mainly by getting you to be one who rejects the one who came to bring you life. But Jesus goes on in John 10.10. The verse doesn't stop there. He says, but I have come that you may have life. What kind of life? And have it to the full or abundantly, as some translations say. To the brim, overflowing. That is the kind of life that Jesus Christ was brought in the world to give you, to give me. And that is why we are here tonight celebrating Christmas. That Jesus Christ came into the world so that all who believe this truth that Jesus died and rose again on their behalf would have this eternal life. It is the gift of God given to us, all, to all who believe. And obviously that's manifested in his Holy Spirit, the promise. And the reason that God the Father sent his son Jesus, God's motivation for giving us life, for giving you life, And I want to make this extremely personal right now. The reason why God from all eternity decided to send his son for you. It's right here in this verse. His motivation is what? In 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his what? His motivation was he loves you. God loves you. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son of the world that we might live through him. If there was ever a reason to rejoice tonight, if there's ever a reason to, to just cry out to God and say thank you, in whatever circumstance you may find yourself in, this is it, that God loves you. How do you know that God loves you? Any of you ever doubt that? God, do you really love me? I love you so much I sent my son who was nailed to a wicked, cruel cross by horrible men to pay for your sin that you might become a daughter, you might become a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God loves you so much that he did that. And John clarifies this love in verse 10 of 1 John 4, the next verse after 1 John 4, 9. He says, this is love. You heard the song, I want to know what love is. This is it. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is not motivated, he was not motivated to send his son to die on the cross and give us life by our love for him. So we need to get that out of our head right now. It, it, it's, it's very important to know that. You know, he sent his son to die for us when you and I were actually loveless towards him. Did you know that? That's pretty wild. Paul puts it in Romans 5, 6 through 8. He puts it a little different. He says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, God isn't worried about the when and where's of things. He knows just the right time. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me, that's you. Very, and verse seven says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, uh, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a gift that God just loved you, regardless of you, regardless of me. Amen. How many need to be loved like that? How many have been doing just great lately? Everybody loves you, got reasons, you know. How many just kind of go, oh man. If I were to have someone lovely based upon everything I've said and done, uh, no one should probably love me. God loved us in spite of ourselves. I think that is just a powerful statement. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And the Apostle John in, chapter, in the chapter earlier that we're reading, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he can't contain himself about this love that God has for him. Do you know John is known as the apostle of love? He is the one, he calls himself, when he's writing about himself in the scriptures, uh, it's interesting, in the book of John, he says, it's the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how he calls. And, and we kind of go, well, Listen, John experienced the love of Christ in spite of himself. I mean, remember when the Samaritans were there and they didn't receive the Lord or whatever it is? He's all, hey, you want to call down thunder, God, and kill all these people and get it over with? And Jesus is like, John, man, it's that guy, the guy who wanted to smoke everybody, that God turned in to this man who knew the love of Christ and the grace of God in his life. And he says there, in, for in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished 
upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, John says. That God loved you so much, he died for your sin and he made you his own kids. He adopted your mess. My mess, isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. And that is what the love of God in Christ has done for us. It transforms us into the children of God. That's the message. We can be changed from children of the devil into children of God who now love like him. And this love is available to any of us tonight, to anyone who will turn from their sin and turn to God in faith and receive his love given to you freely by Jesus Christ on the cross. It cost him everything, but it is freely given to you as it was to me. And so tonight, we celebrate his love for us and the, and the new life that he's given us. The fact that he transforms us into children of God, that we now have this hope, we have this love, we have this life, it is an amazing testimony. And it is a light that shines bright in the world. We have some amazing people in this body that the Lord has saved, not because they're amazing, but because he's amazing in them. And they were gracious enough to sit down in front of a, a camera for a minute and, and share a little bit of what God did in their life. So if you would, look at the screen with me for a few minutes and check out their testimonies. In my worldly view, um, Christianity was a brainwashing. And so I literally hung on to the back of pew chairs at my mother's church because I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to give in. I didn't want for it to be true. And, and yet he talked to me. I went to a Bible school in Kentucky and then I went to a Bible college in Oklahoma for one year and then I fell back and started with the drinking and, and so forth. You know, at that time I was just pursuing, you know, worldly things. I was just caught up with how much money I was going to be making, you know, my social status and stuff like that. And the Lord wasn't even like a priority of mine at that point. This is something that, you know, we can't even pay back in any sort of way, and we don't deserve in any sort of way. Um, and so it's just, I mean, I love the, I'm pretty sure it's in Romans, you know, it's when he's talking about, uh, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's, you know, Paul emphasizes that it's not when we were good and perfect and, you know, obeying the Lord, it was when we were still sinners. And, and so that is, to me, you know, kind of just the, the true showing of, of how much he loves us. One day she was teaching it and she said, would anybody here like to invite Jesus into their heart and, and accept his forgiveness? And I said, yes. The level of unworthiness that I came to him with meant he had to offer more love than was fathomable to me. Uh, there was no way I made it absolutely possible to understand you cannot earn his love. 
because I did everything that you're not supposed to do to earn anything, and he loved me. I could not have made it in life without him, seriously. You know, my son becoming a drug addict, and all those years, you know, and then his murder. And during the trial, I will tell you, you know, after they decide what to do with them, they let the, the families talk to them. And I was able to tell them that I forgave them because Jesus made it possible. So living through him is what stands out to me. They're actually living, just living. I mean, I was not living at all. I was barely existing by the time I turned to, to him. And living through him is something that's been um, a learning curve for me since salvation. You can't remember all the things that he did, that God did to bring me to the point that I'm at. When the devil's really on me and telling me I'm not a Christian or whatever. I stop and I look, you know, I mean, I can't take away anger. God had to do that. I can't take away the chip off my shoulder that everybody owes me something or everybody's after me or whatever. God had to do that. Uh, that's how I know. I look at the, all those changes. I got to work. And I got to work because I was alive and because he sent me people to help me learn how to live through him rather than just live in that fluffy stuff. <laughs> it's not you who's living anymore, you know, it's, it's Christ kind of living through you. And, you know, we're kind of just the bodily vessel, the fleshly vessel that's here and I mean, not that we're not in charge of our own lives, but you know, it's just kind of now it's my job to to show how Christ is is in my life. I just want to be open that He can use me any way that He sees fit, regardless of what goes on. I want to bring glory to God, and I only He can do that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty awesome, huh? Dear friends, John says, since God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The world's gonna see God when they see him in you, in me, in our love for one another, amen? Christ's work is made complete. It is matured in us when we love like he loved, and that's the gift. Lord God, we love you. We just wanna thank you so much for the work you've done in our hearts. 
And I just wanna thank you for these testimonies. They're just a microcosm of what you have done in this room and in this church and in this valley and in your world, God. And I just wanna thank you again that I'm among believers, that we're together, that you have saved us. And so I'm asking now, Lord, that as we close our service, as we focus on you, that would once again, Lord, our hearts of thanks would be raised to you. And so I just want to open it up to the church for a minute. If any of you has something that you want to pray out to God and thank him for, go ahead. Don't feel like you have to, but pray out now, and then I'll close this in just a moment. And Father, we thank you. Thank you for your finished work. We thank you for the joy you've given us. And I ask, Lord, for the, for the hardest heart, the, the, the most burdened person in here tonight, that you would just right now, by your Holy Spirit, lift that burden, God, encourage their hearts, and establish yourself as Lord as they call out to you. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.